Today's episode is brought to you by Sephora. They've got clean makeup, meaning the beauty you want, minus the ingredients you do not. We'll explain in a bit, but first, let's get into the episode. You have to remember, you can get money from so many sources. There's only one you and one idea. So you're actually the valuable one in this situation. And when you take an investment, it's like a marriage. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it. From the good stuff like hiring and growing a team. To the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? Today, Annie Lawless joins us on Skimmed from the Couch. She's the founder of not one, but two successful brands. Her most recent venture is Lawless Beauty, a clean, non-toxic cosmetic company. Before starting her makeup line, Annie co-founded Suja Juice, one of the largest organic juice companies in the country. With experience in two different industries, Annie has proven herself as an innovator and as a business leader. Annie, welcome to Skim from the Couch. Hi, thank you for having me. So, first of all, I'm obsessed with your name. What a great last name. I thank wish you. that was my last name. People think it's not my real last name sometimes, but I but believe it is. you do was. I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I dropped out of law school, so it's kind of like an interesting <laughs> coincidence. So I want you to just kind of start the way we start all interviews, which is skipping your resume for us. Okay, yeah. So like I said, I was in law school. I left Phoenix. I went to Arizona State, where I grew up, in 2010 to start law school. And I was pretty miserable, and I knew I didn't want to be an attorney. Like a year in, I was like, this is not for me. So really, my first post-college job was Suja, and that was the first company that I started with my partner at the time, Eric, and it really didn't start with any goal to create some nationally distributed juice brand. It really was just a local home delivery service. We just loved organic cold-pressed juice and decided to start this little local service, and it grew into what you know as Suja today. And so that was really my first kind of project. And then in 2015, we sold 50%, 30% to Coca-Cola, 20% to Goldman Sachs. And I decided that I really wanted to take my passion for health and wellness into another category. And so for me, that was beauty. I obviously was so conscious of what I was consuming, and I really cared about health and wellness. But I'm also a makeup girl, and I love beauty. I love makeup. I love products. And when I wanted to switch over to clean makeup, I was just so underwhelmed by the pigment, the coverage, and the types of products that were available for a makeup girl. So that was when I decided I wanted to start Lawless, which I launched in 2017. And that's my current full-time 100% you know, project I'm all in on right now. So what is something that is not as part of your skin or not on your LinkedIn that we should know about you? I would say that I am a very, I wouldn't say highly anxious person, but I have to be doing things at all times. So I have a ton of hobbies. I do tons of yoga. I read, I read like a new book a week. I'm always doing things. So I feel like even when I'm not working, I'm always getting into some sort of project. The last book I read was actually a reread and it's The Secret because I wanted to read The Power. Welcome to Skimmer. Annie, welcome. So our head of people last year asked Carly and me what were some like management books we had read and 
I responded the secret. And it, to me, was really helpful in how to think through manifesting visualization yes, and giving managing direction. your life. Yes. And when we started the skim, we were roommates and we had a bookshelf with LSAT books, GRE books, GMAT books, like all the things. And then just the secret. <laughs> That's we the like, only book you need, in the, my opinion. This is the guide that we need to get this off the ground. Well, I read it years ago when I really like wanted to take the leap and drop out of law school. I didn't tell my parents I was so nervous to take the next step and not know what I was going to be doing. I feel like when you're in school, you have this constant continuum of knowing that after school, then I'm going to get a job, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to get promoted to this. And, and I was like, for the first time, I don't know what I'm doing. And that book helped me so much. What I put out there will come back to me. If I just stick with my passions and align with my purpose and the things that interest me, it all will fall into place. The universe will provide whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing if I just keep waking up every day doing what I'm passionate about. And it worked out. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but I wanted to read The Power recently. And I was like, I really want to brush up and reread The Secret again first. So my next book is The Power. So when you were growing up, you suffered from some health issues that Mm -hmm. caused you to think about your health and body in new ways. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so it was eczema. That was the biggest thing that I had since I was like a baby. All the way through adolescence, it was all over my face, my body, my arms. And it was really quite odd because most infants and toddlers grow out of eczema. And I was getting to an age where I was really self-conscious about it. I was in like, I was about 12, so like middle school area. It's and like I, the worst age possible. Yeah. yeah. And you start to care. And so a pediatrician did an autoimmune panel and it turned out that eczema is autoimmune and so is celiac. And so I had celiac disease and I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what gluten was. Back then, you couldn't order, buy any gluten-free products. So... Once I cut gluten out of my diet, my eczema completely cleared up. And after years of using steroid creams and just being so uncomfortable, it was like this huge light bulb moment for me that there's this direct correlation between what we consume and how we look and feel. And that just caused me to like devour every nutrition book I could get my hands on, food book, health and wellness book, cooking book. And that was ultimately how I got obsessed with juicing. So I want you to kind of take us back to what kind of mental space you were in when you came up with the idea for Sucha Juice. It wasn't even really coming up with the idea, like, I'm going to start this brand and we're going to have it in grocery stores nationally. I was so obsessed with juice. I read every book by this guy, Dr. Norman Walker, who created the first cold press. And he was the first pioneer to really tout the idea that juices could cure all of these degenerative diseases and cancers and skin ailments and all sorts of things. And so I was just juicing for fun. And I was working the front desk at a yoga studio in La Jolla in San Diego. And a guy came up. And you were in law school at this point? No, I had dropped out. This is right after you dropped out. So teaching yoga was kind of my way of doing something to fill my time and figure out what I wanted to do. And this guy skated up on a skateboard to take class, and I'm checking him in, and he has a green juice in a glass bottle, and so did I. And so we strike up conversation. So we ended up dating. We would hang out all the time, make juice, and just started this little local cult following of people who would ask us to make them juice, mostly through the yoga studio. And then it just kind of by word of mouth grew and grew. And so people would text us every Sunday their orders, and then we would make it and deliver it. And that's actually how I met my current husband, is he ordered juice from me. Stop. And I delivered it. Okay, so before <laughs> before we get into the business side, I just have to ask, what was it like starting a company with someone you were dating? It was rocky. I mean, 
in the beginning, it's all sunshine and roses when things are great and you're getting along and you're in the honeymoon and you're excited about starting this new project together. But we did end up breaking up. We're still great friends, so everything turned out well. But I mean, it's an evolution to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a lot of ways, it's like co-parenting when you're divorced because you still have this baby so together. So you broke up and we're still working together. We were still working together. And this was right when we launched in Whole Foods. So we had a lot at stake. We had these huge opportunities. And so you kind of have to cut your emotions out and realize the bigger picture and that we We both just want the same thing. We started this because we love juice, and now we're going to get it nationally distributed and be able to have other people experience the same type of product. Like We need to cut the crap that we have personally and just continue forward. And there was a period of time I was much more active and present, and he kind of needed his time, but we're great friends now, and it all worked out. There's obviously a big leap from you're in a new relationship, and you both have a hobby about making juice Mm -hmm. and sharing it with friends and customers of the studio and taking meetings with Whole Foods. What was the skill set that each of you brought to the table that really started making this a business? Yeah. So Eric, my original partner, was really creative. So he was really into the product, the recipes, um, just a super creative guy. And I'm much more organized and analytic. And I'm also very creative. I'm much more creative than I am like math science minded. But I definitely was able to put a lot more of the business pieces in place. And initially, we just had two investors who were local guys that had tried the juice, really loved it and wanted to know more about it and you know, said, hey, we think we could really do something bigger with this. And I think we were all thinking of the blueprint model where it was just like a national home delivery. I don't mm-hmm. think we were thinking retail at this point. And we only had a three-day shelf life because it was an unpasteurized right. cold-pressed juice. And when Whole Foods approached us about the opportunity, they were just starting, I'm sure you guys have seen this, but there's like a little local sign by certain products that they have in store and it tells you how many miles away and yeah. a little picture of who made it. They were kind of just starting that initiative and they were looking for local brands that had unique ideas of products that they didn't currently have in their assortment. So we said, hey, we only have a three-day shelf life, you know, X, Y, Z, and they require 30 days. And obviously selling an unpasteurized product just the same way they don't sell raw dairy is a problem. So we actually researched a food preservation method called HPP, which is high-pressure processing. Now lots of brands use it, but it's a way for juices to be essentially pressurized in an ice bath so that they stay raw. So we employed that technology and were able to launch in Whole Foods as a test in the Southern Pacific region. And then it did really well. And within six months, they plussed us out nationally. Did Whole Foods reach out to you? I think... Initially, we had a contact at Whole Foods that was interested, and she kind of wanted to know more. And then we were connected to kind of some higher-up people, and we pursued it pretty aggressively. Were you nervous, or were you like, no, we deserve for this to happen this way? Yeah, I think at the time, I was really excited about the idea of doing it. In my mind, so much work needed to be done to make it happen. I never really got overly hopeful. And I kind of just was going down the path of exploring the relationship with them and figuring out how we could make it work. Whole Foods seems like such a big company. I didn't realize like, oh, they can just launch us. And then in six months, they can plus us out nationally. And so I don't think I understood the gravity of the opportunity when it first presented itself. I think that it was more, it'd be really cool if we launched in Whole Foods, you know, but I don't think that I understood that it would really change the business and be that one moment that really catapulted the brand to like national household name. How did you guys think about distinguishing suja juice in the beginning? Because you were right at the trend of what is now a very crowded market. Yeah. And we were really lucky that we had great timing because at the time it wasn't a crowded market. At the time, I don't believe Blueprint was certified organic yet. They quickly became certified organic. But I think when we launched, we were the only certified organic brand. Secondly, our blends. So we did really unique blends 
At the time, I think Blueprint was very straightforward. It was like apple, lemon, beet, you know, and we did, you know, eight plus ingredients on a lot of juices incorporated things like turmeric and, you know, sour cherry and all sorts of like really high antioxidant things. Um, And the flavors were really kind of had this little local cult following. So we had a lot of unique juices that weren't in the typical assortment of other brands. And I think that set us apart. And also just the story. We had a cool founder story. It was kind of this little local success thing that I think people really loved knowing about. So we weren't just kind of this nameless, faceless brand. Who did you turn to for advice as you started something, got this incredible opportunity, and then you were negotiating or navigating a sale process all pretty quickly? That's a really interesting question. And that's something I always get asked. I feel like a lot of times people will say, like, who is your mentor or who did you look to? And if I'm just being completely honest, I don't feel like I really had anybody. I was like 24 at the time. None of my peers were doing anything similar. I feel like a lot of the older people in my life that I knew kind of poo-pooed this idea and didn't really take me seriously what we were doing. So I really just relied on my partner at the time, and we would just go back and forth. And it really just came down to ultimately trusting ourselves and figuring out what felt right. Sure, you make tons of mistakes that way, but I feel like it was the biggest period of growth because I was able to learn as I was doing things. And if anything didn't work out, it was really on me, which is kind of a cool thing because at least at the end of the day, you think, well, it didn't work out, but that was my decision. We are traveling all the time for work. And all the one time. one thing that we are really obsessed with is thinking through what we put on our skin when we are flying, when we are traveling, when we are on the road in so many places. It's really important that we keep ourselves healthy. And we've started to think about what does that actually mean regarding the products that we use on a daily basis? It's also because our skin just looks really bad when we travel. So we love using products that are clean because we like to know now what's in them. And we don't want to actually have to sacrifice the quality. Which I think is a big misnomer when you think about clean beauty. And that's something that we've really started to investigate in. So lucky for all of us, this March, Sephora is raising the expectation on what clean can be. Yes, they have some amazing brands that are clean and thoughtfully made. And some of our favorites are Bite, Ilia, Kosas, RMS Beauty, Tower 28, and Tartsy. So the products are packed with good-for-you ingredients. They look good, and they make you look good. It's great that one of our favorite stores, Sephora, is focused on clean beauty. We really appreciate that. I think that we are part of a generation that's really thinking about what's going into the things we use every single day. And it's great that we can get all the products that we really love without the ingredients that no one needs. Exactly. So time for you to get the best in clean makeup at Sephora online and in store right now. Look for the green seal to know which products are clean at Sephora certified. You started the conversation today talking about that you have anxiety mm-hmm. and that that you're an anxious person. How did you overcome that to be able to channel trusting your gut and not leaning on mentors or support network? Yeah, I actually think if you channel anxiety in the right way, it can be a really powerful tool actually to keep you moving forward. It's sort of like this restlessness with me. And if 
I kind of stopped focusing on the fear and worry side of the anxiousness and more the restlessness of it. It helps me make decisions and helps me be a little bit more maniacal about what I'm doing because I'm so fixated on the project and the end result. So I feel like really dropping the fear and constantly coming back to that notion like in The Secret, that fear is ultimately the only thing that holds you back, um, really helps me channel my anxiety more to like forward moving versus stagnancy. Let's talk about the sale. Mm -hmm. You make this huge shift in your life from dropping out of law school. You start this, you learn so much, and then you're in a position where you step away. Was that hard? Initially, I think it was it was both hard and it was both so simple and easy because it was clear that it was time for me to work on something new. I think when you start a business, it's so exciting in the beginning. There's so much work to be done. There's so much unknown. And there's like this constant build, build, build that's thrilling. And then when a company grows and there's a lot more people involved, the team is, you know, 100 plus people, there's multiple investors, it's running. It's business as usual every day. I felt kind of just stifled. Like there wasn't anything left for me to really do. And back to the anxiousness, I was just ready. I was antsy to do something new and get up and go. And so I think that was when it was clear to me. But there's always that bittersweetness because you remember what it was in the beginning. It was like your baby and you're kind of leaving your baby behind. But it was good. How old were you when you sold? I was 27, I believe, 26 or 27. And I want to give you a little bit of bragging rights. You didn't sell for a small amount. And no. the company was valued at $300 million mm -hmm. when you sold. That's extraordinary. You talk about, you know, you didn't have the mentors or the people who are maybe like the older people in your life that you would have gone to for advice for kind of poo-pooed this. What was everyone's reaction? I, I think everyone was just really proud. I think it's also inspiring to other people because it's not like I'm this super knowledgeable business person that dropped out of law school and just knew exactly how to start a business. And so I think that's kind of how we all are. People don't understand. You don't have to have a business plan to start a business. You don't really have to know what you're doing, but there's this idea that you do. And so I think that hinders people from just doing things because they feel like they're not in the position. They don't know enough. They need this. They need more money. And you don't. And so I think it was just inspiring to a lot of people in my life who either had ideas or just felt like they were holding themselves back because they knew me and knew that I didn't know what I was doing either. I think we agree with you. You don't have to know yeah. everything before you start. You don't have to have your business plan totally baked. But what do you we think you do have? We did not. Yeah, we did not, which yeah. is why we agree with you. But that's <laughs> why you guys just did what you were passionate about and look at where it... So do you, th like, you think the key is the passion? I think it's passion and also a uniquely differentiated idea. You need to find a white space in the market. Like, what are you bringing that's different? And you have to really kind of know yourself and what you can do that someone else can't. Like, what's your spin on something? What's your angle on something? What is it that you can bring to the table that hasn't been seen or done? Because especially in products, consumer product goods now are such a saturated world, whether it's beauty, whether it's food, whether it's fashion, you start to feel like everything's been done because it kind of has. So unless you're going to do something a little bit different that you have this uniquely creative idea about, even if it is in a category that's been done, I think that that is your real sticking point. What was the white space you saw in beauty? Sephora was doing this big push for clean skincare about three years ago. They had really brought on all these clean skincare brands, and it caused me to switch over because I was starting to learn more about ingredients. And I started really making my entire skincare routine clean, and I was like, this is so crazy that I'm spending more on clean skincare 
yet I'm so married to my makeup products that I love that I'm putting all the same ingredients mm-hmm. back on my face five minutes later yeah. with my makeup. Like I try not to think about that, but yeah. It right. makes no sense. Like if you really look in the mirror, it's like, what? A, this makes no sense. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to switch over to clean makeup. And when I was playing with it all, I was just like, this is just not my journey. I am not a no makeup makeup girl. I'm not going for the natural look. I wear a full face of makeup every day. I like full coverage. And so when I kind of saw, okay, if that's what clean makeup is, this is why clean skincare's happened and clean makeup hasn't. It's because there's nothing over here for the makeup girl that's going into Sephora, buying Fenty, Huda, all these brands. She's not going to look at clean because that's not the type of makeup she's after and myself included. So that was when I realized, okay, there's definitely a white space in clean and I want to kind of redefine what people think of when they think of clean and create products for the makeup girl that isn't necessarily looking for clean makeup, but it's just such a great product that she is into it anyway. Can you just, for our listeners, just explain what makes a beauty company clean? That's a great question because it's kind of undefined right now. Sephora has their clean seal, which does clearly delineate which ingredients cannot be included to be a clean brand, but every brand is different. So me, for example, I don't use silicone in any of my products. Some of the clean foundations do. I personally don't. So talc is a big one for me. Obviously, parabens, phthalates. For me, synthetic fragrance because it's a big way that brands can hide ingredients, mm-hmm. and a lot of them can be allergens or irritants. So I really want to be transparent about what's in the product. Isodotecane, um, it's a preservative that's used in a lot of foundations, but it actually can corrode plastic. Um, that's why most foundations are in glass bottles. Those are like my top line things that I really try to avoid. So how did you get up to speed on all of this? Just through research and Google and my own personal like fascination with just ingredients. It really started with skincare when I was just researching for myself of cleaner products to buy and reading all sorts of blogs and you know journals about different ingredients and what was and wasn't clean. And then when I was formulating my makeup, I kind of used that list of things that I really was avoiding in my skincare in my line for my makeup. And then every time a lab would send me a formula and I didn't understand or know an ingredient, I would go on EWG, which kind of just ranks ingredients by how toxic they are and what they've been linked to. Um, And I would just kind of do my own research that way and understand what was the function of this ingredient, where did it come from. So I just did a lot of research really through Google and just learning that way. I love makeup. I love skincare. And even for me, it seems overwhelming. How do you advise people who are starting off in this, trying to navigate this world, trying to make good decisions, but also, you know, aren't as obsessed where they're Googling all day long? Mm -hmm. Where do you start? I think that things like the Sephora Clean Seal make it really easy because you don't really have to read the ingredients. If you know what is and is included part of the seal, you can just use that as your little guide. I also think like, What's important to you? You don't have to go clean overnight. I don't make everything in my line because, for example, I haven't nailed a clean mascara. I've been working on it for two years, but I am not going to launch something just to launch it if I don't feel like I'm going to use it instead of my conventional favorites. So for me, it's really like don't be hard on yourself and don't go in being like, I have to go all or nothing. Just pick up a few products. Do you care most about what touches your skin directly? Then change your base product. Just make some small changes and adapt at your own pace for what you're comfortable with and slowly but surely you'll find some of those like hidden gems that you are discovering through the process that you really love. What are mistakes that you made at Suja that you have avoided making this go around? This is an interesting one. I would say 
just choosing partners wisely. Through Suja, we did multiple rounds of investment. But I think initially, you know, I went in wanting to scale this business and wanting to grow. And you have to remember, you can get money from so many sources. There's only one you and one idea. So you're actually the valuable one in the situation. And when you take an investment, it's like a marriage. So you really want to get to know each other. You want to understand say that, all the time. that you're yeah. aligned yeah. with your vision for the business. Because if you're not, there will be heads budding and there's no way out of it. Their money's in. Mm-hmm. You can't just, you know, cut so them off. So how have you raised capital or, or gotten capital differently? Yeah. So this time around, it took me two years to want to go get capital. I really wanted to get my foundation built, really figure out how I wanted this brand. The literal foundation. Yeah, <laughs> the, literally. No pun intended. I wanted to figure out like what this brand was. Who am I? Who is this brand? And kind of get that established before bringing anyone else in. And just this past December, I completed my Series A. And it took... Congratulations. Thank you. It took months of back and forth with many different investors to spend a lot of time with people. I moved slow Mm -hmm. to really just make sure that I was aligned and comfortable. And I went with Colt Capital. And that's not a VC firm. That's a private equity firm. It's a private equity firm. And I couldn't love them more. I've been here in New York. I hung out with them yesterday. Like, I text them all day. Why did you want to work with private equity over venture capital? You know, I didn't know I wanted to. I took meetings with both. I think it was more the personality fit for me and really understanding what the relationship would be that made me feel much more comfortable than anything else. It's interesting. When I'm listening to you tell your story it's very obvious why you're successful. And you you very clearly break down complex issues (laughs) in a way that's very easily accessible and it becomes a consumer product. What are you not good at? So I'm really not good at the plumbing side of the business. Like I'm the creative person. I love makeup. I love product. I want to be in stores at Sephora. I want to be making tutorials. That's my passion. So it's tough for me, especially I'm the CEO and we're just in the middle of hiring a president. But right now I'm working on a lot of things I hate doing and I know I'm not the best person for the job. My What's brother you hate doing finance. I hate like finance and numbers. Wait, this wait, is your sorry, brother? This is brother. your brother? Oh, wait. Yeah. Can we ask him questions? He's my director wait, of finance. Can you come join us? What was Annie like growing up? Like, did you think that she was going to become this Also, can you tell your name to everybody? Fantastic entrepreneur. My name is David. Older or younger brother? Younger. Okay. I'm actually the youngest in our family, so we have an older sister as well. Okay. Is this your favorite sister? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Today. Today. Um, For this moment. So growing up, Annie and I had kind of a special relationship. Our parents got divorced when we were super young, and Annie kind of assumed the role as being the mother of me. It's always kind of been that way with us. We've had a special bond, you know, ever since we were little. What's it like to work together? It's interesting. Uh, I was <laughs> I was an investment banker for like five years. We were thinking about working together when she first started the business and she approached me at a point in my career where I still felt like I had some things that I wanted to accomplish. You I shut needed me down. <laughs> I, I told her I wasn't quite ready. Working, you know, twenty plus hour days for years on end kind of took its toll after a while and Uh, It turned into me kind of calling her and begging her, seeing if the position was still open. And, you know, I had the skill set that was right at the time, just kind of helping us with our first capital raise. And I would say as a boss, like she's definitely tough, but keeps me on my toes. What what really ticks her off? She's like very unique in terms of how much energy she has. And she's so 
vivacious and I for one like get tired when I travel and like I what, did I, what a unique quality you have <laughs> <laughs> and like um, I think just like keeping up with her is tough and she can go on one hour of sleep and do a podcast and then she's going to run to like three other meetings today and like she's pregnant it's pretty ridiculous the amount of things that she's able to accomplish in a day and then you know she really doesn't show any signs of stress or wearing yeah I so. love this um, time for our favorite segment the lightning round Annie what was your first job Anthropology, working retail. I thought you were like going to say an anthropology major. No, I didn't like, like click store. for me this <laughs> Worst job. Real estate. What is the first phone call you make or who is it to when you get good news? David, my brother. What about when you get bad news? My husband. When was the last time you negotiated for yourself? Yesterday. What did you negotiate? I'm in the middle of hiring a president. So kind of with my investors negotiating the personality type of her and figuring out things I wasn't wasn't willing to sacrifice. What's your biggest vice? Shopping. David, what is Annie's biggest vice? Handbags. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last show you binge watched? Real Housewives of New York season like six was an older season. I respect that. David, what is the most sisterly annoying thing that Annie does? She definitely pries in my personal life. What's the last sibling fight you had? Not about work. Nothing really comes to mind. It's we like we, we definitely have work-related moments of tension, but it really only lasts a short period of time, and then we we talk it out. Like, we, we don't we really don't fight, fight otherwise, yeah. Guys, this is such a healthy relationship. Okay. <laughs> What's your shameless plug? Go by Lawless at Sephora. We're all over the country, Great. so 54 doors. Otherwise, go to Sephora.com. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. What a treat to have you, David, too. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 